What are the tools the next generation is creating to combat problems like fake news? Hi, I'm Trisha Johnson, your regular host. In this last episode in our Offstage Technology series, guest host Kashmir Hill talks with one member of a two-person team. Ash Bott and his friend Rohan Fateh dropped out of college to fight online bots. Here's Hill and Bott's conversation. Welcome to the Aspen Ideas to Go Offstage series. I'm guest host Kashmir Hill. I write about privacy and technology for Gizmodo. Thanks for joining us. Today, we continue our look into how technology impacts our lives. Ashbot is a tech entrepreneur who co-launched Robot Labs last year. He works to tackle the spread of fake news and misinformation online. Bot was successful at a young age. He dropped out of high school and college to focus on running a digital company. Thanks for joining me, Ash. Definitely. Thanks for having me. So it was funny, before we started this, I was going to intro you as a student at UC Berkeley, but then you told me you're not there anymore, that you've dropped out, and <laughs> that you also had dropped out of high school. Um, so tell me a little bit about, about your backstory there. Yeah, so I guess in, in high school, I had actually sold a company, and like as a byproduct of that, I had to make a decision of whether I went through with the acquisition and left school, or I stayed in school. And it was one of those situations where uh, you sort of look at look at the opportunities that you have and you say like, what am I gonna regret the most? And uh, to me, that was, I'm gonna regret not leaving high school. And thus like, I, I dealt with my parents who were terrified and uh, decided to leave, leave high school. And then fast forwarding now to college, I'm dropping out my junior year again. Um, and so my parents are terrified again. But that being said, uh, the way Rohan and I see it is that we almost have, we've been given this great opportunity and uh, we almost have this moral responsibility to actually like make a difference with the uh, with the resources we've been given and like the opportunity that we have and this is a problem that keeps us up at night and and thus like it makes so much sense for us to uh, take some time off school and work on this full time so were you forced to go into this line of work because of your last name <laughs> that that is pretty funny like the fact that my last name sounds exactly like uh, what I'm working on right? yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, we someone like pointed that out later, and we were just like, "That's that's pretty poetic or like pretty funny," um, but but the short answer to that is no. So how did you get into bots? Um, so the long story short is, uh, being at Berkeley, we're we're actually targeted by misinformation quite often. Um, you'll hear stories about how students are paid protesters or uh, how students are extremely liberal to the point that we shut down free speech, things like that. And um, this sort of hit a. Uh, a high point after the Milo protest on campus. This is when Milo Yiannopoulos was supposed to speak there and was prohibited from doing so? Yeah, so he actually, he was allowed to speak there. It was just a massive protest broke out and then he was actually escorted off for his own safety. Um, but that being said, uh, the thing that uh, wasn't really talked about was the fact that students were actually having a dance party and then Antifa, which was like a very violent group, came on campus and the students actually had to leave as well just for our own safety. But that being said, like the very next day, you look online and everyone's talking about UC Berkeley students, how uh, we've been destroying our school, like how like we're just trashing our school. And, and at the same time, there's Rohan and me like walking around campus, watching our classmates pick up trash. Right. And, and so like that, that huge difference in uh, what reality was and like what people were talking about online sort of like got us thinking that this was a much larger issue than uh, we initially had, had envisioned. And but us both being engineers, we were like, hey, like, we have the ability to build something for this and let's do that. And so that sort of started this affair of us like building out projects uh, and they were just projects initially. Us just building things out of our dorm room and uh, very slowly people started listening. Uh, we started getting a lot of different users start, starting to use us across the aisle. 
But you guys decide to do this by focusing on bots because you are most concerned about bots being used to spread misinformation. Yeah. So going back to the protest, one of the things that was super fascinating was looking at amplified voices on Twitter. We were, we were looking through these accounts that were essentially getting a ton of retweets. And as we looked at the accounts, we realized that they were tweeting out like every minute. And we're like, okay, that's that's kind of weird. And then you jump into the issue a little bit more and you realize that these accounts are uh, almost unmistakably bots. And so uh, we, we just start... And, so, and can yeah. you define what is a bot? Yeah, so we define bots as a an account that tweets in an automated fashion. Um, and our focus is primarily around propaganda bots. So these are bots that are tweeting out political content in an automated fashion. And how do you identify a bot? Yeah, so we, we, we want to be really thoughtful about not putting in any uh, political bias or uh, components like that into the way we built our machine learning models. But that being said, uh, how, we, how we built our machine learning models, which uh, machine learning is a, is a way of teaching a computer to identify things in a very similar way to a human, uh, was we looked at accounts that had essentially been created in the last month that were tweeting out uh, in a pretty fast pace, 24 hours a day. So this would be like a minute uh, every minute for 24 hours. And we're like, hey, that's clearly not a human. And so we used that sort of data to essentially teach a computer that, hey, these sort of accounts um, are what bots, uh, this is what a bot is. And then we also taught the computer to strip away those values. So like not taking those same accounts and not looking at the values like uh, t- the time between tweets and like uh, when the account was created and actually look at the text and learn what bots actually tweet like in terms of the text as well. And so are, are propaganda bots necessarily a bad thing? I mean, you could use a propaganda bot for uh, you know, s- spreading disinformation. Um, but you could also use it for spreading good information or corrective information. So how do we determine kind of which bots are, are bad? Yeah, so the way we see this is uh, there are two types of bots. Um, there, there are bots that uh, tweet out uh, positive information. There, there's a bot that I follow that tweets out the weather every day. Um, Bots like that are not harmful and, in fact, can provide a lot of value. Uh, When we talk about propaganda bots, we're talking about accounts that are amplifying certain viewpoints that can ultimately make the country a lot more uh, divided. So a great example of this was right after the Parkland shootings. Um, There was a shooting down in uh, in Florida where uh, right after the shooting, a bunch of hashtags started appearing on Twitter. Uh, A couple of the most popular ones were uh, hashtag mental health and hashtag gun control now. And the thing that we found incredibly uh, fascinating, but at the same time incredibly, incredibly terrifying, was the fact that the hashtag that got amplified was hashtag gun control now. And so an event that could have brought a country together uh, was an event that eventually ended up dividing a country. And that's, that's what we're worried about, and that's what we're building for. But who decides you know, which viewpoints are bad or good? Some people might say it's great that gun control now is trending after a shooting. Yeah, it's it's not so much the viewpoint that uh, we're worried about. It's more so the amplification and the fact that certain viewpoints divide a nation. Um, so we don't care as much of where that viewpoint comes from. For example, like these bots tweet on both sides of the aisle. So like this isn't a political issue. It's more so an American issue. So would your uh, you know your preferred solution be to lim- eliminate bots and just have authentic voices, human voices, uh, speaking in these kind of public forums like Twitter? Yeah. So the approach that we've taken is uh, it's twofold. So one, we want to empower uh, the people of the internet. So we're building out tools like BotCheckMe, and we're about to announce uh, fairly soon here uh, a product called SurfSafe. Um, but essentially, w- how we envision this is one: first, you empower the users so that they have the information to 
think critically and come to the decisions that they need to come to. Whether they see content, uh, decide that it's fake news or not, should be up to them. And two, we want to uh, essentially, by empowering these users, essentially create public pressure for these big companies. And uh, I don't know if you've been uh, watching the news, but Twitter announced that they were going to take a much more aggressive approach with, with bots. And that's something that we're incredibly happy about. So Bot Check Me basically would tell a user whether or not a, a certain Twitter account was likely to be a bot. A propaganda bot or not. Yeah, okay. that's correct. Um, yeah, I was reading this uh, Wired article um, about you, and it was talking about one particular bot that you guys had identified, Patriot Gen. Mm. Uh, and that bot is still online um, and still operating and still retweeting a lot of uh, uh, political news. You know, what is I mean, what do we do once we discover a propaganda bot? Yeah, so like the way we've approached it is like, hey, like we can actually force these big companies to we, we're not in a position to force these companies to take action. But that being said, what we can do is like empower users so that they they have the information to not be misled by accounts like this. So Twitter's not opposed to bots. Like what what is their policy when it comes to a propaganda bot? Yeah, so their policy is when they see uh and I'm paraphrasing and I'm not from Twitter, so I might misspeak, but um I believe that their policy is when uh, certain voices are being amplified in a negative way, or there's a, a factor of cyberbullying happening, they will take action and remove the account. Do you have any kind of solution for cleaning up the bot problem beyond just identifying them? Yeah, so in terms of, uh, so what we're doing from a company perspective is we're actually abstracting out and like uh, uh, we took all the insights that we've learned from tackling bots and try to focus on uh, the m much more broader issue of fake news. And we've looked at about 13,000 uh, fake news articles over the past year and try to come, come up to understand what truly is at the center of uh, misinformation, what we can really use to identify misinformation. We came to some pretty fascinating findings. Uh, for example, one of the most telling uh, pieces of information that you can use to figure out whether you're looking at a piece of misleading content or not is how the image is portrayed in the article. And so uh, we're actually building out tools so that uh, we can protect users online. And uh, that's, that's where SurfSafe comes in. We're building a uh, browser extension that is essentially going to act as a antivirus solution for fake news uh, for people of the internet. So it would be like a filter that would eliminate bots and fake news as you're making your way around the web? More than that, uh, we, we actually don't believe in like removing content um, because uh, we, we, we do believe in free speech and we believe that like the content should exist, but rather we believe in like knowledge and information. And so we're going to start providing indicators for users to essentially understand if they're looking at something that uh, a piece of content that's photoshopped. You should know that you're looking at a piece of content that's photoshopped. If you're looking at a piece of content that was portrayed on New York Times in one light and then Fox News in another, you should be able to know that as well. And so uh, that's that's sort of the philosophy that we have around SurfSafe. And how we're approaching that is one, you get indicators, and then two, we give you the ability to inspect any image that you see and understand what truly the history of that image is and where that image comes from. So you think the solution could be an annotated web? Somewhat like that, yeah. And who does the annotations? Yeah, so we're we're dynamically generating uh, the annotations. And I wouldn't necessarily call it annotations. It would be more so like a history and uh, like a, summarize, a, a quick summarization of the history of a piece of content. So when you see a piece of media, you should be able to tell where it comes from. If you see an a image of... Uh, a child separated from his mother that's being portrayed as uh, like one story, you should be able to tell that it's from the exact story. You sh if, if it turns out that the image is uh, from two years ago, you should also be able to know that. 
And there are certain instances where uh, images like this are used uh, as a symbolic metaphor. And in that case, that's not, necessar not necessarily fake news, but you should know what the context of the image is and what the context of the article outside of that is as well. So you think the solution to disinformation is more information about at least discrete pieces of what you're seeing, in this case, photos? Yeah, so we, we believe that uh, the solution is to empower users. Um, as opposed to like uh, telling them what they should read and what they shouldn't. The hard thing today is that we're just bombarded with so much information. Right. You know, it's like tweets coming at us and news articles, what everybody thinks on Facebook. How do you get people to pay attention to these, um, um, to this, you know, this information that they're getting about the the background of this this image? Yeah, definitely. So like the way when it comes down to our philosophies, we want to be very respectful of like the users and. Uh, do it in a way that doesn't actually impede their browsing experience. So for example, with notifications, notifications can completely take you out of the moment. And like uh, that's uh, and these sort of models are are things that we want to stay away from. The way we try to be respectful to the users is we're building an extension that will essentially give you an indicator on hover. When you hover across the image, it'll tell you what you need to know. If you want more information, you can click in and learn all that you want about the information uh, around the image. And that way, we empower users as opposed to telling users that, hey, you should not be reading this or even blocking uh, pieces of content. And so, and, but this would depend on people actually getting the tool, adding the tool, paying attention to the tool. Um, how many people have used Bot Check Me? Yeah, at this point, over 50,000 people have used Bot Check Me, and that's completely organically, right? That's that's two college students sitting in a dorm building a product and uh, an app building, uh, spreading like, like wildfire. And I guess the difference now is we're a company and we have like the resources to get the word out about a new product now. And so uh, in terms of that, we're looking at uh, building a massive product for the internet uh, with SurfSafe. Do you think with the various ways people are coming up with to try to combat disinformation, that it's a battle that we could win? Or is there ultimately just too many people that are on the other side of this issue? They're constantly coming up with new ways to deceive people or um, influence their, their thinking. Um, yeah. you know, is, it a, is it ultimately a losing battle? So the way we see it is like, uh, you're right, it is a game of cat and mouse. But that being said, as, as people on the side of the truth, uh, as people fighting for the truth, our job is to make it incredibly expensive for the, the people who are creating this misinformation to create it. And so that means that, hey, like you can no longer use an image from the New York Times to tell a misrepresented story. That means that uh, like spreading fake news, you need to hire like uh, good writers. You, like there are all these different components, all these other resources that um, a, a entity would need to spread misinformation. And our solution to the problem is just making it super expensive for the, per, uh, the people spreading fake news to do so. Just because they can't just use a stock image over and over again, they'll have to come up with a new and uh, not a novel image. Yeah, we're tracking stock images, we're tracking photoshopped images, we're tracking photoshopped videos. Um, and there's this new technology called deepfake uh, fakes that is coming out that is incredibly scary. Um, it's uh, for, for people so deep fakes are these videos that you can make of somebody it can very uh, can very convincingly impersonate somebody. Yeah, and the thing that terrifies us about that is we're in a situation where people are already calling uh, real news fake. In the moment that we can't tell the difference between fake news and real news, we're, we're in a position of no return. And that, that really terrifies us. I really appreciate you talking with us about this. And um, hopefully we're able to fight this battle because uh, we have elections coming up soon. And 
a lot of motivation to spread more disinformation. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Ashbot tackles the spread of fake news and misinformation online with his company, Robot Labs. I'm Cashmere Hill, a technology reporter for Gizmodo Media. Thanks for listening.